Welcome to another impactful night of the Impact of Education Leadership. This is episode 71. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaiah III. Tonight's panelists are Kendrick Bullard, Buddy Thornton. Buddy Thornton, please say hello to the people. Good evening, people, and I am honored to be here, uh, as always. And Kendrick Bullard, please say hello to the people. Hello, people. Hello, good people. Uh, everything's all about love, and you'll hear a lot of that from me tonight. Uh, I definitely want to say thank you for inviting me, but it's about us learning from each other, and not so much thinking that all the knowledge is right there for one person to get uh, to acquire. So again, thank you with much love in my heart, brothers and sisters. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, tonight's topic is advancing opportunities for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion. Unfortunately, research has yielded little evidence that inclusion and diversity is a necessary benefit in educational support. Though the model known as racial equity, diversity, and inclusion, or mainstreaming, has become more prevalent over the past years as a protection mechanism to racism. Further, studies of inclusion seem to assume that low SES students are educated in a vacuum. That is, they fail to examine the experiences of non-disproportionate classmates. Leaders in the community are doing their parts in continuing this mobilization for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion through community meetings and demonstrations to make all school practices and all school educational settings equal across the board. However, some school boards have been slow to follow through on a lot of these new reforms, these new policies, which is leaving low SES students at risk of being neglected with certain resources and certain benefits in their school. Tonight we will have a discussion about advancing the opportunities for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion. Tonight, first I want to pull on uh, Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro. Tell the listening audience a little bit about you know, what you're doing currently right now. Isaiah, uh, I'm a doctoral student at Grand Canyon University completing my dissertation. I do a lot of work in the community. Uh, my specialty is coaching. Uh, my educational specialty is cross-cultural competency and conflict management, which plays directly into the thing that really harms society, especially across America, which is the failure to, to connect cross-culturally. And I think that our discussion tonight will further that, but that's been my focus, especially during this COVID period. And thank you for that response and that uh, introduction, sir. You know, a lot of people want to know why is it so important 
uh, to have this this passion for educating and empowering and helping students evolve into successful uh, citizens in the United States across the board. That means from from the children that uh, are impoverished to children that are middle class to children that are uh, wealthy. And so, but you know, every child needs a fair shake as it relates to education because the society that we live in is a democracy. And so, you know, with that being said, my question for you tonight, what are some demands that we need to put in place as, as educators to ensure that all, all children, educators, communities, and stakeholders are treated fair during this crisis and after this crisis? That's my question for you, sir. I believe that the most important demand that we need to put on people is the requirement that we actually consider the stressors that we face today compared to stressors that have occupied most of our minds over the last half century, certainly maybe even a little longer than a half century. As a Vietnam veteran, I'm old enough to have lived through the racial discord of the 60s and a lot of the challenging decades from the 60s to today with the hope that we would see advancement and change and improvement, especially uh, communication and interaction between the disparate groups across our country, because America being that great tapestry of a huge amount of immigrants and people who have lived here for multiple generations, but nobody other than indigenous people are natural to America. So one of the demands that we really need to look at is how are we doing today compared to the model that we have tried to put forward over the last 50, 60 years? And I submit that the failure that we have is that we don't look at the change, the demand for change in the way that helps America. We don't drive it forward at the pace that it needs to be driven forward. When you talk about innovation, especially social innovation, it's the same as innovation in any other topic area. You can have incremental innovation, small, tiny little microscopic changes that will develop and make things a little bit better over time. But as a great society with over 330 million people, those incremental changes get absorbed in and people who don't believe that those changes are benefiting them will marginalize those changes and they'll keep marching on. And so we see the same problems and the same complaints and the same discord that we saw in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s extend right through today. What we have to do is we have to disrupt the educational system. We have to disrupt society in a way that forces everybody to the table to have a heartfelt discussion about what would create hope across all domains. What would create a movement of hope for all people, especially those marginalized people, people in each of the different minority groups, certainly blacks, Latinos, 
Asians who are right now being really targeted because of the COVID crisis. These are people who, for lack of a better way of saying it, have suffered because incremental change has been the watchword of the day. And nobody has taken the time to realize that sometimes you've got to get smacked in the face and you've got to land on your buns and you've got to get up and look around and see where you're at. And you've got to decide you're going to disrupt society. You're going to disrupt and force people to understand that if it hasn't worked in the past, why should it work today? Let's take a hard look at what has not worked when we have a 68% across-the-board rate of kids who are not going to post-education. We have a large amount of people who fail to even complete high school, and then we end up marginalizing them because we force them into a negative starting point. The biggest demand that we have is that we need to take an inward look at what has traditionally been incremental change that has not benefited our society. It has not moved us forward to the point where we can literally say, you are my brother, and you are my brother, and you are my sister, and we are all one voice. We don't have that yet. We need to really, really reach inside and say, from leadership all the way down, how do we disrupt society so everybody gets the same starting line, everybody gets the same targeted finish line, and then how do we make sure everybody gets a fair opportunity to make that race? That answer was so precise. I heard the logistical role that needs to happen, that needs to take place culturally. I heard the the perspectives and the focus on just human uh, social mobility of just good old-fashioned, you know, uh, good old-fashioned, well, the golden rule, good, good, good old-fashioned core values, good old-fashioned, uh, you know, upbringing, uh, pro-social behavior, and that's the tactical role that I heard you say that we need to enforce, that we need to reform, right? And and we have to come to the table because it's already been revealed. It has. We have an opportunity now to deal with this. We have an opportunity to deal with our children uh, being better and being uh, better facilitated as it relates to technology, as it relates to education, as it relates to funding, as it relates to support, as it relates to being resilient, right? As it relates to uh, showing them what love is all about again, because it's like we've lost the sense of love because of, because of COVID-19 and other things that's happened, right? It's like we've become numb. It's like we are waxing cold. The, the, the world is beginning to wax cold. A lot of what you said reminded me of a quote from out of uh, the greatest salesman in the world, uh, Armin Digo. But the but the way you um, you responded and unpacked that question really really added so much value uh, to this podcast. I can't even go into the powerful forces that uh, and perspectives that you. Uh, unpack and reveal to the listening audience. But 
uh, you know, I, I want to thank you again for that uh, powerful response. And, you know, that is ammunition. Those are tools uh, that we need to move forward. We, we need these in our communities. You know, we need these in our neighborhoods. We need these concepts. We need these precepts to help build, um, to rebuild, actually, uh, not only America, but the world. Uh, the quote from uh, Ogden Bingo, um, I think this is out of the, the scroll mark five, and it says, I will live this day as if it is my last. I will live this day as if it is my last. And what shall I do with this last precious day which remains I my keeping? First, I will fill up its container of life so that not one drop spills itself upon the sand. I will waste not a moment mourning yesterday's misfortunes, yesterday's defeats, yesterday's aches of the heart, for why should I throw good after bad? Can sand flow upward in the hourglass? Will the sun rise where it sets and sets where it rises? Can I relive the eras of yesterday and write them? Can I call back yesterday's wounds and make them whole? Can I become younger than yesterday? Can I take back the evil that was spoken? The blows that were struck, the pain that was caused. No, no, I cannot. Yesterday is buried forever. And I will think of it no more. I will give, I will give life this day. I will live this day as if it is my last. And with that being said, that is a perfect segue to our next guest. And with that being said, uh, Kendrick Bullard, please say hello to the people. And, and Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Pro, thank you so much again uh, for your response, sir. Oh, I'm going to pull on you again because I would not finish. <laughs> but uh, uh, Kendrick Bullard, please say hello to the people and tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh, currently. All right, well, uh, again, my name is Kendrick, so I never throw my age out there. I'm 48 years of age, and uh, I uh, yeah, I was in the military for uh, 28 years as an information technology director and, and a uh, manager. But I don't want to throw, I don't want to go into too many of my credentials until I talk about my electrical engineering experience or my energy experience. And the big thing for me is really understanding that we are all collected both spiritually and electrically. And what that means is we cannot run each other. We have to be able to embrace each other's love. And we have to embrace the love for ourselves as well at the same time. For me, it's about being able to get everybody to, to push to make themselves just as good as the person next to you better, both mentally and physically. So, I got to say one thing to, to you, uh, to everybody that's out there listening. Comp competition is a false pretense unless you're competing against your own soul or yourself and making yourself better. The false reality of competition. I spent three years in the NFL. I know that's a big surprise. They played for the yeah, New England Patriots, 
Jacksonville Jaguars and the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, I won a Super Bowl ring with them. It wasn't about competition as much as it was about being able to embrace the person that's next to you and competing to make them and yourself as good as you are as the next person. That's what it's about. It's not so we can get all these credentials and we can put actions in place, but we have to love ourselves and love the next person. Uh, but I just thank you guys for allowing me to be here because again, uh, I've been able to do some amazing things on the renewable energy side. And what that what that's about is being able to rebuild uh, some of the uh, damage that's associated with some stockpile of weapon systems for the U.S. Army and as well as trying to uh, help some of the communities here uh, in the state of, in, in Arkansas, try to, you know, I show them how to turn trash into treasure, but we have to do that in order to take care of what they call the real earth. Uh, our earth, which is a real thing. It's a real body, just like the physical body we have now. But I do thank you guys for allowing me to talk, and I hope I'm able to, you know, put out some of the things, some of my real understanding of how the world works a little bit, and how and how we can apply the love of love. From a main perspective, of uh, it's not a an act as much as it is a superpower. It's not just a word. It's to be able to say, I love myself and I love the other person at the same time. And knowing that they're going to, something's going to happen to throw you off course and you got to keep yourself on course. And the other thing is we have to accept people for what they are all the time. That is a part of our, our spiritual divineness. And that's a fact for me too. Uh, but I again, I just want to thank you. I didn't want to put too much out there on my experience just yet because I I don't want anybody to believe that everything is. I want I want everybody to know that everything is possible. So much more than no understanding yeah, the limits of my resume. But I will tell you a, lot, a whole lot more about. I will be excited to tell you a lot more about the issue. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know when you were speaking. I kept hearing NASA, 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 and space travel, and the, and the new race to space. You know, uh, with everything going on right now in the news with, you know, the exploration into outer space and Mars and, and beyond. Uh, Mr. Bullet, what measures do, do educators need to put in place to make children and their guardians more resilient. And I'm talking about with innovation, I'm talking about with technology, will make them more resilient internally, you know, or, or even externally with all of these, these new digital uh, platforms, these new digital uh, applications. And basically, let's just call them environments with these with these internal and external digital environments what measures do we need to use and teach or whatever from your perspective to make people more resilient uh, and, and to not give up and to bounce back and, and to have the proper training as it relates to this these new digital environments uh, environments that 
that they're going to be forced to reckon with. They're going to be forced to deal with. Um, what's your what's your thoughts about that? Well, uh, take off the crutch. Take away the crutch for the teachers, not so much for the students. The students have a breadth and a depth, breadth and a depth of information that they can tap into. They're not afraid of knowledge. Uh, we have to understand that our, sometimes we just have to build, take away the crutches from the, the teachers themselves and allow the students to be the things that they want to be. Do you know how many teachers told me I would, wouldn't be able to get through uh, engineering school? Do you know how many teachers told me that I would lose a scholarship at least two to three years out before I went to school? Do you know how many teachers told me that I wouldn't make it through uh, uh, the military? But we have to really understand those things are, were there for my experience for whatever reason looking back at it. It was something that drove me. Because if you told me I couldn't do something, I was going to do it. I kind of already knew what I wanted to do for my life uh, back in high school and even in, especially in college. Now, here's the other funny thing. I was told that I wasn't going to be able to get the engineering degree because it was taking up too much time while I was playing uh, football at Arkansas State. I say allow the students to take over and, and lead the courses. Allow them to expand the information that takes, I mean, allow them to be able to, to be able to teach the, uh, the teachers. Because at some point we all become the teacher and we're all the, uh, the student. Maybe not in that order, but we're all of that and the same. Uh, well, we, I think sometimes what we try to do is hold back students because of the fear, uh, that, uh, they may be demonic. Uh, or other things, I mean, or other categories that really hadn't made sense in years. Do you know how many times I would go in somebody's house and fix their electrical wear or, or fix things that were unique to things that we did in the military? And guess what I would do? Hey, that demon is working for you. This is the quote. <laughs> that demon is working for you today. But we have to understand that's their demon and allow my thing is always allowing the people to, uh, to help them understand that technology is always going to be there. Matter of fact, we are technology. Whether you understand that or not, our DNA is really tapped into it. Our DNA is tapped into things that we haven't been able to explain yet uh, scientifically. But the fact is, we're the superpower. We have, we have a, a legitimate set of superpowers that we really can't explain. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to tap into the collective knowledge of the people who are teaching and the people who are being taught. And don't be afraid of all the knowledge that, that, uh, that, we, that we need. So for me, it's about being able to understand not just the, the religious side, but it's also being able to understand uh, uh, the scientific and the spiritual side because they're all different but wow I, I heard a lot of energy in what you just said and I would love to hone on hone in on the collective 
knowledge, collective knowledge. Sounds a lot like unity to me. Sounds a lot like building. It sounds a lot like throughout history, this is where we saw things that were uh, wonders of the world. Like for instance, the, the China Wall, right? That took 2000 years to build based off of a dynasty that this emperor had in his mind. I want to protect this country so no one can get in. But also when I build this wall, I'm gonna use it as a, tri a travel mechanism so that you don't have to worry about looters and robbers robbing our trade people because they traveled on top of this wall. So this invention, it took 2000 years, but look how many people were involved. When I hear the word collective knowledge, I, I think about all the scientific uh, advancements that has taken place not only in the United States, but also in Russia, also in, in Europe, also in Japan. When I hear collective knowledge, I'm also saddened because in today's world, there's so much division that that is a threat to the preciousness, the the purity of collective knowledge and we're missing we're missing we're missing puzzles pieces because for some reason we have lost the sense of our collective involvement our collective knowledge and we need conversations like this to begin to pull those those puzzle pieces those pieces those loose ends back together we need to pull it back together we need to we need to reform it yes but we also need to put some things some structures back together that work that show themselves to work and so i, I think that's a perfect segue uh to this next question but you know before i ask the next question i, I want to thank you uh so much i want to thank you so much uh, Mr. Kendrick Bullard. And, and by the way, uh, Mr. Bullard was my commander, uh, one of my commanders in the in the army. And he he got me into the um, <laughs> uh, OCS off, as an officer uh, cadet. And, and so he just just really enjoyed working for you, sir. Uh, every day was a joy to come to work uh, because. You just you you challenged us. Uh, you challenged us, and you just you, you kept us working. You kept us doing new things. We we did so much under your leadership, and um, I know you got a lot of haters, but <laughs> I just want to give you your your flowers now, sir. Thank you so much for what you're doing and what you have done and what you're continuing to do. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I want to pull back on. Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro, because I want I want to kind of use your knowledge to answer this question that we've been pondering with. Um, and with that being said, the question is this: How do you see? How do you envision? What do you forecast? 
as it relates to our country and the world, but specifically the United States. How do you see our country up and running? Because I believe the United States was hit the hardest during COVID-19. How do you see our country up and running and back to work once we're on the other side of COVID-19? That's my question for you, sir. I appreciate the prompt, Isaiah. I believe that the division that has harmed us and accentuated COVID uh, will continue to fall away as we realize that COVID actually has to be looked at as a deal breaker. And what deal did it break? COVID broke a broken system. You have to admit, yeah, there are a lot of people who believe that we need to anchor on the past, the good old days. Oh, I, I, I miss what was normal a year or two ago. I don't miss it. I don't miss normal. I believe that people who are open-minded and progressive realize that COVID made us stop. And the people who have the opportunity to re-envision America as a powerful, connected country are going to take whatever little flavor of this stimulus is going to work for them, but they're going to also start to trade in human equity. And when I say human equity, I mean they're going to take a hard look at expanding their definition of the word neighbor. I don't, I'm tired of looking at my neighbor and worrying about whether or not he's going to do something that I don't like or he's going to do something that might affect me negatively. We're going to redefine neighbor as a, as a nation. We are going to expand our idea of what an in-group is because we're going to become more inclusive of people because COVID made us wake up to the reality that without powerful connections, without powerful relationships, without meaningful relationships and meaningful dialogue within those relationships, America stands on the brink of disaster at any point where another crisis comes tumbling down at us. We do not know what is in God's mind, but we do know what God asks us to have in our mind, and that is to look to a positive future. No matter how you define God, he expects you to do what's the right thing to do. And right now, the right thing to do is let's look at how we can really redefine what becomes a powerful nation, a powerful nation where less people, obviously, we can't say all people, but less people are marginalized. More people are allowed to have a voice in our decisions. I see our company, country up and running and back to work with the idea that this is maybe the last great opportunity we have on the horizon to reinvent ourselves. And some people are already working hard to do that. Other people are still anchored to the past. We cannot change the fact that they're anchored to the past. We don't understand how they want to reinvent the shackles of what never worked, what has really decimated our society, what has made a, a very large percentage of our society hurt 
instead of doing anything and everything possible to create an equity-driven system. And I see that happening because COVID-19 made people wake up. They, they really, people who are meaningful people woke up. You can see it in the politicians. You can see it in the community leadership. There are certain politicians who are anchored on their power. They're anchored on the past. They're anchored on what never worked. And they're trying to drag it forward, and it's still not going to work. People need to wake up to the idea that powerful relationships, powerful dialogue, and looking for new horizons instead of going back to the same old poo that never worked in the first place is the only path forward. There is no other path forward. I see our country, some people are going to get stood on the on the corner and they're going to be told we're not going to do that anymore we're just not going to do that anymore that's what i see i see an opportunity in front of us people are going to hear these words they're going to hear other people leaders who are saying we need to take this opportunity to make a better world for ourselves and right now when we've been forced to stand still and take stock of where we are is probably the greatest and best opportunity we're going to have. We take the threat that COVID-19 presented and we turn it into our future social salvation. Wow. Wow. You know, (laughs) that was a lot to unpack. I'm not even trying to do it. You know, America is still a a capitalist society. And so that's, that's one of the things. If I say a few words, uh, to the, uh, absolutely, in that, uh, absolutely. Water. <laughs> Brother, buddy, I believe in all that, that we do, but everything happens as, we, as a result of us doing it all together. Uh, and realizing that everybody meets at the same destination, whether we understand that part of it or not. Our spiritual journey focuses on the destination. I agree with everybody's perspective, especially uh, especially yours, because we're having a really great conversation right now. The only thing I would add to your conversation is that there are things we can do mentally and, and physically at the same time that will help everybody get that breadth of information and not that, 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 uh, that we keep talking about. The knowledge is already there. It's just being able to understand how to access the information all the time. I promise you, if you look up in the sky, I've learned to pray, and I got away from praying because I was reading verses in the Bible when it told me that, you know, as a man, you you know, you put away, as a child, you you know, uh, I was a child and put away those childish things, think of the man, some other things that went out there. And I said this so quickly, but the game is, for me, it's about being able to understand, you know, I had to grow in my faith and my spirit at the same time. So I'm just saying that no matter what, what I say or what we say together, whether we disagree or or agree on some of the things that we're talking about now, we have to be able to band together. And number one, in the military, we always come up with creative ways to make take one thing that was wrong and take two things that went right. And know that that's what they call after action reviews. Do you guys remember that stuff? If you don't, if you don't oh, remember, yes, yes. it's okay. No, keep well, going, sir. It's, it's beautiful. 
all we're doing is trying to figure out a collective way that we can get back to the destination. Uh, and that the physical journey reaches the, the same destination, the spiritual destination that we're trying to achieve. So the real thing is how do we get, how do we get there physically? How do we build that breadth and depth of information so that people know that we have to avoid fear? And I kind of told you how we, how we now that's, that's going to be that's going to be on another that's going to be on a, that's going to be on another podcast what you just said that's going to be on another podcast it's going to be another topic and hopefully we can bring you in on that topic as well uh, you know Buddy said something don't caution hugs but yes <laughs> don't caution a lot of hugs brother from both of y'all and I like hugs Yes, sir. You know, that was a beautiful response that you made, uh, Mr. Bullard. But he said something that really stuck out. And I, I, I would be doing him an injustice by not uh, kind of dealing with that. Um, he made the mention of redefining our neighbor as our nation. Now, uh, you know, there was there was an article written and some literature written about uh, I think it was from JFK, the the nation of immigrants, right? <clears throat> but I'm not gonna go into that because I don't want to get too far off the beaten path. But uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bullard mentioned collective knowledge. Buddy mentioned redefining our neighbor, right? And so the topic is advancing opportunities for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion. The only way that's going to happen is if we redefine our neighbors as ourselves and that's spiritual that's that's biblical because until we start seeing our neighbors as ourselves then we're going to continue to be a divided nation when we start seeing our neighbors as we see ourselves then we can start seeing things get better in this nation. With that being said, what are the takeaways for tonight? Uh, who wants to go first? Isaiah, uh, I, I, I am really thrilled about the way the conversation has gone tonight. I wanted to just throw one thing out there because redefining neighbor is probably one of the strongest things that humanity has in front of them. And I presented that topic to a, a young person who works with me occasionally, who's around me, and is always asking me for a little tidbit here and a little tidbit there. And I use the Socratic method to make them think for themselves. And I said, I want you to tell me, if you had to give advice to everybody in your sphere of influence, three things that would make you a stronger person today, and this was the response I got. I will look at the world with the wonder of a child. I will follow the drive of my intrinsic motivation. And I will live every day with the perspective of limited time and realize that every choice and every role modeling opportunity that I step aside is a wasted opportunity and i have to understand the value of what i have to give to others instead of worrying about the value 
that I expect them to give to me. Well, I can add on to the limit you guys say. Uh, two things. One, uh, zero limits given. How about that? Zero limits given. I just came up with that. Uh, if you guys want to give me some hugs in order to pay for that quote, I'll uh, take them at the end of the show. Uh, so what that means is if we try to set limits and expectations on who our border people are, that's just going to put us back in the situation that we're going to be in. So I, I push to be able to say that, you know, both breadth and depth of information and education should be open for everybody. If we Universal, boy, I mean, for me, it's about being able to know that we should not define ourselves on universes or anything else. Because, again, you know, we have beings that are out there that probably we probably don't even care, that we probably don't even know that we connect to. I mean, think about the trees and the earth. And we are electronically connected, electrically connected, or energetically connected to the earth. So we got to get out of get out of the point of, of uh, establishing borders as a collective group. And if you don't understand what I mean, just go back to what they call the uh, global coherence network. And maybe saying it wrong, but it is if you Google global coherence negative, I mean, the network or initiative, global coherent initiative. And what you'll see is there's a heartbeat and everybody that's in it is affected and and affected by the heartbeat of the earth. Uh, but the other, that's just one of the takeaways. We shouldn't have limits. Zero borders because you know, as we start to build whatever is out there, we want to make certain that everybody else does not have the borders available. Uh, but the other thing is, we start talk about the collective knowledge. The collective knowledge will always be available, whether you understand that or not. You know, our life is so much more than just, you know, what we see in this world. Uh, you know, there are things that, there are physical and electronic systems that we don't even tap into. But that knowledge is recorded. Everything that happens within this earth and in this world and the universe and so on, uh, we have the ability to be able to tap into that, those things that we want to learn from. Because that's how God wants us to learn from our own experience. And if we learn from our own experiences, it makes it easier for all of us to build what they call a collective network of love. We're already that type of person. We are already that type of soul. Uh, We are all collective souls as one. And as we go back to that, it it will make it easier for everybody to understand that no borders ever existed anyway. So why, why not build something that, that allows the kids to truly understand their breadth and depth, things like that, that we all can do together? Well, what I got from both of you gentlemen was the key to success is love. This was another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This was episode 71. Our panelists tonight... Buddy, the Positive Social Change Agent Pro, and Kendrick Bullard. 
Good night.